Welcome back to Tales from the Chair. I'm Carlos Cardenas. Welcome back. Today's episode, How to Get Away with Cheating. Now, this is going to be a companion episode to a previous one that I put out, Can You Be Forgiven for Cheating? Now, don't get me wrong. This episode isn't necessarily about how to get away with it and encouraging that. This is more about a discussion of what is the thing that compels people to cheat and then actually create a justification of that cheating. While the other episode was centered around correcting the issue, this one is more about how people tend to justify it. And I think that this is a good primer for understanding that if you're in this situation, or someone you know is in this situation, why it is that certain things are put out there, whether consciously or unconsciously, and what kind of effect it has on, we'll call it, the victim in being able to recognize it. So let's go to the stats to begin with. And some of these are going to overlap with the previous episode. I'm not going to lie. I didn't go back and see which ones I used previously or not, but these are relevant stats nonetheless. So just for starters, on average, it is thought that 20 to 30% of men and 15 to 25% of women have cheated on their partners, spouses, or relationships at some point in their time. Reportedly, this is the case in 40% of unmarried couples and 25% of married couples. Now, who are the targets usually in infidelity? Well, 40% is a friend, generally, a co-worker 35% of the time, an absolute stranger 23% of the time, and 22% of the time, it is a former relationship or an ex. 58% of Americans at some point have reported having a one-night stand, and... Overall, half of couples that tend to divorce are due to reasons of infidelity. We're going to break this down into three categories of the people that tend to get away with infidelity. And I have clever little titles for it. So the first one are what I'll refer to as the shield bearers. The shield bearers are the ones that use something to shield away and justify why it is that letting go of the cheating is necessary. And there's some obvious ones. There's children. That is usually the one that is used. Like, let's stay together for the children. Money. Hey, situation's going to get financially difficult if we get a divorce. So come on, stick it out. And the third one is comfort. Imagine being in a relationship where you've been together with this person since you were 17. And now you are 30-something and found out that they engaged in infidelity. You could let them go, but you just spent half of your life with this person. Wouldn't you rather just be in this familiar territory for an extended amount of time? So we'll get further into the shield bearers and why that is such a potent weapon in getting away with cheating. But let's move on to category number two, and that is the cocky bull. Long and short of it is, yeah, I did it. And that's it. The person who not only admits it, but with an air of confidence, like, yeah, of course I did. And what? And believe it or not, as counterintuitive as that is, that actually tends to work because the other person feels kind of stuck. And once again, we'll get into it later, but the fact that they are the ones that are causing the issue, but not ending the relationship in spite of their choices, almost throws the victim for a loop. And that allows for almost a kind of impenetrable defense. So... Cocky Bull is your second 
scenario. And then the last one is what I refer to as the empath. This is the kind of person that says, well, you know, I felt like I was being ignored. I was not being taken care of. And so I sought it out from someone else because my feelings weren't being accounted for. And, you know, I'm not made of stone, etc., etc. This is the person that will chase after what about my feelings, that will put out that they are justified in so much that they're not the criminal in this engagement, they're actually the victim. And that is such a curveball to this whole proceeding, because unlike the other two, the justification comes from something on the outside. But this is one where it's a victimization which allows for the victim themselves to be shamed. And it works so often. And we'll get into it further. But before we continue, I think it's important to bring up that relationships can move past infidelity. Check out the other episode if you want to find out how. But when you find yourself in a situation where your main justification is that I felt like it, well, we shouldn't let go of things because of the kids, or that I felt lonely. There's a huge price to pay, and there's a lot to putting that out there and what kind of consequences that has. This is something that is very difficult to work with in counseling. Not for me. I'll be fine. But for the people involved because there are so many layers of trust and cleanliness in the relationship that have been taken away that now have to be accounted for. The shield bearer is probably the most obvious example of someone who is cheating and is trying to justify themselves. You ever want to see an example of this? Just watch one of these romance TV shows, Gossip Girl, OC, One Tree Hill, any of those things, where you generally have this bad guy, usually multi-millionaire, who's cheating on their partner and almost kind of aggressively and directly says, well, you could leave me, but I'll keep the house and I'll keep the money and, well, if you want to keep your lifestyle, you're probably better off staying with me. In real life, it's a lot more covert what the shield bearers will do. And this one time, I was working with a couple where the person in this story, the guy, he cheated on his partner. And he was doing so with someone that he met at his work, as the stats showed previously. And when... He got caught because he just left his phone out one day and the texts were rolling from the partner and this is generally how it always goes down. It is always a text from a partner that is caught on the phone. The wife confronts him and he immediately says, well, this is too much for me. I'm going to move into my office and I will sleep there. But what he started to do during the course of the next few days and this is prior to them coming in to see me, was he would start showing up at the house to play with the kids. The kids were in that range of three to seven where 
they were obviously aware that something was up, but didn't have any idea. And this person made it a point to be present for the children. But this wasn't exactly like he was trying to protect the children. He was using them as human shields because as we would go on to discuss in therapy, I do not want to mess up this family and be divorced because of a mistake and then cause all this damage to the kids. Now, of course, when you ask him, so how are you going to alleviate it with the partner? He would go on to say, well, she just needs to be able to forgive me. And basically, he's offering no consolidation for what he did to the partner. All he is saying is, well, she better let it go because the kids are going to be negatively affected and you wouldn't want that now, would you? But on a TV show, you probably would have some sinister music in the background and he would probably callously say with a brow of his eyes, you know, we wouldn't want the kids to be too negatively affected by this. And that is the kind of stuff that happens in the background, and it plays on the emotions of the other person. And here's the sad thing. The kids cannot be a bargaining chip, because albeit it would be more difficult, if the person is going at it without any kind of semblance of addressing the issue itself, well, one of two things are going to happen. It's just going to happen again, or eventually there's going to be so much resentment that either one person or the other is eventually going to start taking it out on the kids. And that actually ends up being a lot more damaging. But that is an example of a shield bearer. Now, a cocky bull is so overt. It is unlike the other ones because it is almost kind of not taking any responsibility whatsoever for their actions and actually using it almost as a sort of bluff. So once I was working with a lady who was cheating on her husband left and right, and she wasn't even doing a good job of hiding it. She would go out on a Saturday night, come back home the following day and would smell of whatever person that she hooked up with that night. And it would be posted on Instagram and she would make it a point to basically flaunt all of this going on. Now, when talking privately with her, this was something where she pretty much was very direct in her intentions. He divorces me, I get half, and he's the one that pulled the trigger. And it is such a ridiculous counterintuitive logic because you could just get the divorce and you'll still get the half. You don't have to cheat and deride your character. But this person basically was in this weird crossroads. This is really what was going on. They pretty much realized that their partner was a coward and that this person was not going to divorce them. And it's almost kind of like a game that started getting played where she would elevate the stakes. She would start traveling during the weekend and doing things. And again, posting it online or kind of getting into wild hijinks. She would ask for money forwards from him and he would comply. And he really did not see that she was sabotaging the relationship. He actually thought that he could save it and she just needed to kind of get it out of her system. And the thing is, is that this person was so in fused with that cockiness that she could get away with it, that eventually she got an STD and it got him. 
And that was kind of the last straw. And this is the kind of person that they will actually elevate their efforts on their way out. And it sadly ends in very difficult circumstances to which, to this point, whenever I run into a cocky bull and I am working with the partner of such a person, I will specifically warn them about these kind of possibilities because it's not just an STD that can arise from this as a complication. It's an errant pregnancy. It is a loss of funds. It could go super far, super chaotic, because this is a person who not only is operating with nothing to lose, but furthermore, they have absolutely no problem with taking you down with them. Now the empath, I'm not gonna lie, this is a hard one because sometimes the feelings that these people feel, they're real and they should be taken into account. There are times where there are relationships where one person feels completely lost and forgotten and it actually is very detrimental to the relationship. But let's not get it wrong. You could have considerable struggles and issues and this isn't a TV show. There isn't a turn of heart by the other individual once you'd make a tragic mistake. What ends up happening is more akin to a scar. So the reason why this is particularly difficult is because this is an actual issue that should have been taken care of, but in a constructive way. But by it being handled in a destructive way, things go utterly wrong. So we find ourselves with another couple, a young couple that is together for several years. And they come in because, sadly, infidelity has stricken the relationship. And unfortunately for them, this one-time mistake by the accused was a big mistake. Because it turned out that the person that he had a one-night stand with got pregnant. And that she called to let him know. And whether you believe that this is a fortunate circumstance or not, they had to coordinate an abortion in order to get that person off the hook and the other person to not end up as a single parent. But of course, you do not coordinate such efforts without something bleeding over to the partner and them learning about this. And where it gets dicey is that the moment they came into the office, the person who cheated went on the offensive. I can't believe that I've been through all this. And it all happened because she was neglecting me. Because this all started when she stopped sleeping with me. This is the person speaking, of course. And she didn't tell me why. I figured that it was something completely normal. But then the weeks pass and the months pass. And next thing we knew, it was nine months. This person is, is going into an elegant soliloquy at this point. And I made a mistake. I put my hands to God, I've gone to church, asked for repentance, all this stuff. Like, it is a show at this point. Like, I'm sitting there waiting to throw roses at the amazing show that this person has put up. And he details how he got into everything, and he left himself at the mercy of his partner. But the thing is, she was not having it. Because she did not have relations with him, because her own parent died. And so she was so stricken by grief that she just could not see the relationship. And yes, she should have done something about it. 
It definitely should not be affecting your sexual intimate life for nine months to be experiencing grief simultaneously. But nevertheless, she was so hardened before the incident occurred that the incident just hardened her further. And the thing is, as we kept on dialoguing it, his soliloquy actually started to work on her because he actually said, I was willing to go to therapy. I was willing to get this worked out. And this is where, as a therapist, it gets very tricky for me because half of what he is saying is true. This is almost kind of a riddle of the Sphinx type thing where there are two people in front of you and both of them say the other person is lying and someone has to be lying and something has to be true, but you can't really quite tell how much and where the truth ends and the lie begins. And he was making such an argument about how heartbroken he was and how awful it was that he was going to be a parent to the wrong person and that's why he went through with the abortion that by the time he was done with this, she was cracked. She could not believe that she had hardened herself to him so much. And this person that basically was not giving him any kind of inside track up until they came into our session, now was beholden to making him feel better. And the thing is, is that this is an instance where there were so many factors that kind of suggested that he was the victim that it completely absolved him of the fact that, yeah, but he cheated on her. We could have made her out to be this bad guy, but at the end of the day, he cheated on her. And had the other person not agreed to terminating the fetus, there would have been lifelong consequences to what occurred. And there are not so many stories that end this cleanly. They both left and ended up never coming back because she was so convinced that she can let it go. And I know that that probably didn't sustain itself for very long, but there are many people where I see them for a prolonged amount of time vacillating between, I empathize with this person, but also I cannot trust them at this point. And what ends up happening is you become a hostage. And these three scenarios are a way in which people get away with cheating. It ultimately falls on making the victim a hostage of your actions, that they are basically screwed. Because if they end the relationship with you, well, then they're the ones that pulled the trigger. They're the ones that complicated your perfect little life. It was not the incident that made it a problem. It was their dissolution of the relationship. But how does that work? It's one thing to regain your trust and to try to rehabilitate the relationship. It's another one to do so via a pseudo Stockholm Syndrome hostage circumstance. And I leave you today with just this kind of information, just for your consideration of the complexities of what happens. Because oftentimes, as you've heard in other episodes, it is very simple to just look at a situation and say, that person is awful, the one who cheated. Get out of the relationship. Or how is it that you could stay with someone even though they did this awful thing to you. And for every time that someone tries to work their way past it, it is also equally true that it's being worked through solely because of the wrong reasons. And it's a very complicated and tricky arena to work from, but something that is worth knowing as you may find yourself in a situation where you've heard of or experienced this. But with that, 
we conclude for today. I hope this was very helpful. If you like this episode, you can like or subscribe via any of the podcast networks out there. You can write to us at sometalesfromthechair at gmail.com, or you could follow us at sometalesfrom on Twitter, and you can listen to us weekly here on the podcast. Thanks once again for listening. Good luck out there, and we'll talk again next time.